I want to take an opportunity to welcome uh, the New Lifers that are tuning in from New Life East in Long Island. Can we give it up for our New Lifers out in Long Island? A big ovation for them. We are so glad that you are joining us for this Vision Sunday and love the work that's happening in Nassau County and love to hear more stories in the days to come about that. So what a gift to have you worship with us in this way. If you're new to our congregation, New Life Fellowship is a celebrating 36 years of being a congregation this fall. Just isn't that remarkable? Just a wonderful testimony of God's faithfulness to our church and for many years, our congregation has taken the month of September to have a Vision Sunday or series of Vision Sundays to articulate who we are as a congregation. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to have a set of Vision Sundays in which we're going to explore uh, three different things. We're going to talk about what it means to be the presence of Jesus in this part of the world, in Queens and in Nassau County. What does it mean to be the presence of Jesus? And so the, the first word is presence. Uh, the second word is uh, priorities. And the third word is pathway. And so week one, we're going to talk about our presence. Week two, we're going to talk about our priorities. What are the unique particular areas that Jesus is calling us to focus on in this particular time in our world? And then what does it mean to get there? That's what we're going to focus on in week number three. And next week, we're going to have a serving fair to get people connected into the life of our church. And so after the first service and after the second service in the, law, in the uh, uh, shell room, we're going to be able to connect people in some wonderful serving opportunities, so just be mindful of that. And so to talk about our presence today, our presence as individuals and our presence as followers of Jesus at this place called New Life Fellowship Church, I want to focus on a passage of scripture as we talk about what it means to build together in this particular season. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Matthew chapter 5. You can follow along on your phone, your devices, or we'll have the verses on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 13, hear the word of the Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town is built, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the gift of worship, the gift of baptisms, the gift of recognizing all the ways that you are active in our world. And now, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to Holy Scripture, that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to receive and eyes to see all you want to do in our individual lives and in our lives together as a church family. And so we offer this time to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, 
Amen. I want to begin my message today with a little game of word association. It's a very simple game in which I'll throw out a word and you will just shout out. This is a participation time in our sermon here. Shout out the first word or words that come to mind. And so the first word is New York City. When you think about New York City, what's the first word that comes to mind? Crowds? Did I hear crowds? What? Subway. Traffic. Just, yeah, traffic. Stop right there. Just, just awful. Okay, good. Second word, Korean fried chicken. Korean fried chicken. What's the word? <laughs> Yummy. Delicious. Come on, what is over here? Uh, best. Okay. Yeah, you know, Korean fried chicken is God's chicken, okay? Uh, <laughs> Chick-fil-A, I call it evangelical chicken, but Korean fried chicken, that's God's chicken. Amen. Go to the next word for me. Go to the next word for me. Politics. What's politics? Let's hear it. Uh, you got a lot to say about this people here. Ugly. Right, what else? Terrible. Painful. What is that? What else? Okay, that's, let's move on here. Let's move on. Let's hear it. The Mets and Yankees. Come on now. What, do you, what, what are the first words that come to mind? Disappointment. That's true. What else? Awesome. Uh, 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 yeah, pain. Pain. Let's move on. This is getting depressing. Artificial intelligence. Scary. Fear. Possibility. Here. Okay, yes, yes, here. I, and just so you know, I wrote this sermon, okay? So this is, this is not an, a creation of uh, chat GPT or whatever it is. Social media. Ooh, groans. Okay, groans. Time sucker, yes. One more. Soul sucker. Did I hear soul sucker as well? That is exactly right. I have one more word for you, but I don't want you to uh, say anything out loud. I want you just to chew on this here, all right? The word is the church, the church, the church, the church. I said don't say anything. The, the church, church. Keep it to yourself. All of us have words that come to mind when we think about the church, but here's a question that I want us to consider for a moment. If we were to ask the average person, in the street in Queens, average person in Manhattan, Brooklyn, different parts of our city, on Nassau County, what's the first word that you think would come to mind? Don't say it out loud. As a matter of fact, there was a study done on this by the Barna Organization, a research company, that asked the average person what the first words that come to mind when they think about the church. And the words that I heard were really sobering to hear because the first words in this survey that was done by people who are not part of the church were bigoted, anti-homosexual, judgmental, hypocritical, sheltered, too political. Those were the words that were associated with Christianity. That's what much of the world thinks about when they think about the church. And here's another exercise that I want you to ponder for a moment. What if we played the word association game with Jesus? What would Jesus say about the church? And I think we know the answer when we look at our passage today. If we were to play the word association game with Jesus, Jesus has two words that I believe would first come to mind. And the two words are salt and light. 
It's not that we always live like this. It's not that we're always giving expression to this. But the first words I believe Jesus would say in playing this game, it would be salt and light. In our passage today, we are looking at Jesus' seminal teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the best talk ever given, the best sermon ever given. Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount by talking about the people who are truly blessed. And the people who are truly blessed are those who orient their lives around the person and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins by using some very subversive, some very countercultural, some very upside-down language to talk about who is blessed. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. From the very beginning, Jesus lets the church know who is blessed. And after he talks about who are the truly blessed ones, then he begins to let the people know who are following him who they truly are and he calls them the salt of the earth and the light of the world he lets them know that they're blessed and then says you're salt you're light and in verse 13 it's important to note a few things because when Jesus says that his followers that those who orient their lives around him that they're salt and light he's not using individual language He's talking about the community of people who belong to Jesus Christ. Of course, it includes us individually, but he's talking about in our communal identity, in our love for one another, in the way that we bear witness to the kingdom of God in our relationships together, we are salt and light. And so Jesus is essentially saying, you folks are salt and light. Or if Jesus was from the South, he'd say, y'all are salt and light. Or if Jesus was from New Jersey, he'd say, you guys are salt and light. He's not just talking about us individually. He's talking about us in our collective identity. And I want you to see something else that Jesus gets at from the very beginning. At the very start of their relationship with him, he identifies them with salt and light. He does not say, you will be salt and light when I'm done with you. He does not say, you have salt and light. He does not say, you must be salt and light. He says definitively right here, right now, anyone who orients their lives around me, anyone who follows me, anyone who surrenders their life to me, you right now at this very moment, you are salt and light. And I love that he calls them salt and light at the very beginning of his ministry. He doesn't wait until they start healing people in his name. And then he goes, ooh, you're salt and light. He doesn't wait until they start proclaiming the good news of the gospel to the poor and and showing the powerful name of Jesus. And then he goes, you're salt and light. Before they do anything, Jesus says, you are salt, you are light. He sees potential in his disciples. And Jesus looks at you today as well. If you are someone who's orienting your lives around Jesus Christ, he looks at you today and says, right here, right now, you are salt. Right here, right now, you are light. 
right here, right now. There's something inside of you that I want to pull out of you. You are salt. You are light. And this is good news for us because we don't always feel like the way Jesus describes us. For some of us, maybe you're out of work and you're looking for a job and your sense of self has been so damaged. What do I offer to the world? Who am I apart from my career? You might be struggling right now with unemployment or whatever it is. Our Lord Jesus looks at you and says, no matter what your state of employment is, you are salt. You are light. You might be experiencing loneliness as a married person, as a single person, profound loneliness and wonder, is there anything to my life? Is there anyone who actually loves me and likes me? Is there anything that I can offer to the world? And our Lord Jesus Christ right now looks at you and says, you are salt. You are light. There's so much in you. There's so much that I want to put out of you. And I love that Jesus is speaking to his disciples at this moment because he grabs a ragtag group of people who don't have their act together. They're the spiritual version of the bad news bears. You know the bad news bears, the team that kept losing. These are the people Jesus chooses, but he speaks life into them. It reminds me of a movie that came out a few years ago called The Help. It's a movie set through the civil rights movement and focuses on two African-American maids and their experience as the help. And one one of the more memorable moments in the movie is when uh, the main character, Abilene, a a nanny black maid, would would say these following words to a four-year-old white child who was really being, uh, not being loved well by her mother. It became a famous kind of cultural thing where she she looks at the child every day and says, you is kind, you is smart, you is important. And every day this little girl, this little four-year-old will hear that word spoken over her, you is kind, you is smart, you is important. Jesus looks at his followers and says, you is salt, you is light. You is important. Before they do anything, Jesus calls that out of them. He calls them salt. He calls them light. He calls you salt. He calls you light. Now, salt. Why why, why salt? I think for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, Jesus calls his disciples salt because salt seasons. Amen. Salt brings out the flavor in things. And what Jesus is calling his people is to bring out the flavor of his goodness in the world around us. You are called to be a special seasoning in the world, pointing out the flavors that when someone is connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a flavor that comes out in the world. The flavor of hope, the flavor of love, the flavor of joy, the flavor of peace. You are to be God's flavor in the world around us, in a dull world, in a hurting world. Jesus says you are to be the seasoning, the the, the flavor of the world. But Jesus calls us salt not just because it seasons, but because it sustains. Salt preserves. Salt, and I can't help but think that when Jesus calls the salt, he's saying your very presence is to sustain the world. 
Your very presence is, is to preserve the world, a world marked by sin. Have you ever looked at the world and you've wondered, how are we still here? After all these years and centuries and millennia, how do we still exist? And I can't help but to think that one of the reasons why the world is still here is because there are people who have belonged to God and people who have belonged to Jesus Christ and their very lives and their very prayers have been the, the, the power that God has used to sustain the world. That the world is being sustained right now in ways that is hard to explain. That when we see Jesus face to face, we're going to figure out how the world has been sustained. And we're going to find out that the way that Jesus sustains the world is not through the power players in our society. That right now Jesus is sustaining the world through a grandmother on a rocking chair interceding for the world. That right now Jesus is sustaining the world through the prayers of an inmate who has come to Christ while being incarcerated and now is offering prayers for the world around them. That right now the world is being sustained by a monk in a monastery praying for the world. That the world is being sustained because followers of Jesus are working for kindness and compassion and justice. You are salt, friends. And your very presence is to sustain the world. Wherever there is decay, Jesus says, you're salt. And we are to work against the decay of the world. And so wherever there is racism, the decay of racism, we work against it. Wherever there is the decay of poverty, we work against it. Wherever there is the decay of sickness, we work against it, announcing that in the name of Jesus, possibilities are here. That when people are taken advantage of, where there's division, assault, we announce that there's good news for the world. Jesus calls you salt but if that wasn't enough he adds something to it that Jesus thinks so much of his followers not just salt but light but light he says you are the light of the world and this is a metaphor in the Old Testament that finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ that in Isaiah 49, it says, I will make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Jesus looks at you right here in Queens, New York City, in Elmhurst, Queens, and in Nassau County, Long Island. And Jesus looks at you and says, you are the light of the world. Now, of course, Jesus is the big L light. He is the light of the world. But how humbling is it that he calls you to be a reflection of his light? In the same way that the moon reflects the light of the sun, we are to reflect the sun in all his brilliance. That God has called you to light a path for those who do not know him, do not know of his saving love, that we are a light, we are to guide others into knowledge of God. And this is important because light can be really helpful or we can use light in destructive ways. I remember giving my children flashlights and, and at first, you know, for the first two minutes, they're doing, uh, you know, sh the animals with the shadows on the wall and all that. And they got bored after two minutes and start putting the flashlight in their eyes, you know, just, just in their eye. And I thought, that's just two minutes and you're like using the light to blind. You're, using, you're weaponizing the light. 
And when I think about that, I think about the way the church often uses light. That the light of the church is not to be weaponized. We're not to look at the world and go, look at your sin. Look at your corruption. You have nothing to offer. No, the light that Jesus calls us is not for the purpose of condemning the world. The light Jesus calls us to is to lead the world, to guide them into living waters, to guide them to knowledge of the Holy One, to guide them and to light the way into the salvation story of Jesus Christ. You right here, right now, are light. You're salt. God has put you in this world to demonstrate something of his life. And the question is, as a congregation, what does it mean for us then to live this out in our particular context? What does it mean to be salt and light? What does it look like in the formation of our community, in the formation of our own lives? And this is where we arrive at this point of Vision Sunday, where I want to talk about what it means to be salt and light in the particular ways that Jesus has led us to articulate that in Queens and in Nassau County. Every church has a particular grace on its life. Every church has a particular anointing of the Holy Spirit on their life. Every church has something to offer the world, which is why we never talk bad about any other church, which is why we don't talk down against other churches. and They, they do it different. We need every church in this city, amen, to bear witness to Jesus Christ. We need every church in this city to proclaim the good news of the gospel. We are on the same team. Every church has their part to play in bearing witness to the good news of the gospel. Every church has a unique anointing, a unique grace, a unique charism, and ours is no different. Because of our unique journey as a congregation for 36 years, we've articulated a few values that help to inform our presence in this world. And what I want to do is talk about five of those values. It's our, what we call our five M's. If this is your first time here, or if you're very new to our congregation, you could not have come at a better time. Because I want to articulate to you who we are as a church and what Jesus invites us into at this moment in history, at this part of our planet. What does it mean to be salt and light? There are five words. They all begin with the letter M. And the first word is that we are called to be monastic. Now, this is not a word that we use on a regular basis. And if I were to ask you, what does this word mean? You might go, oh, maybe it has to do with something with a monastery or with a monk. And that'd be absolutely right. This is what we are called. We are called to be a monastic community. And very simply, what does that mean? It means that we are to be a people marked by being with Jesus. That our congregation... We're salt and we're light, and the ways that we give expression to that is by being with Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures in the book of Acts, chapter 4, talks about the disciples of Jesus. The Holy Spirit fell, birthed the church, signs and wonders, miracles, they're proclaiming the good news of the gospel, and the people around these disciples are taken aback by who they are. And in one verse in particular... 
They look at their, these, these disciples, and it says in Acts 4, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. We don't know anything about these guys except one thing. These people have been with Jesus. What if the world looks at our congregation and says, I can't really explain much of that congregation, all these different people there, but this is one thing I know. When I look at their life, when I look at their love, when I look at their presence in this neighborhood, these people have been with Jesus. Wouldn't you like that to be said about your own life individually? That when someone looks at you, all they could say is, there's something different about them. This person must be with Jesus. And so our community together, one of the ways that we give expression to being salt and light is by having a life of deep abiding communion with Jesus. A life of prayer. A life of being with him. A life of contemplation. A life that prioritizes prayer and communion with God above all else. That he is our light that we are called to behold the beauty of God. Like what David said in Psalm 27, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What are we called to be as a church? A monastic people, that is people who have been with Jesus. This is a call to prayer. This is a call to stillness. This is a call to meditation and contemplation and reflection. What does it mean to be salt and light? It means that we are people marked by being with Jesus. Secondly, to belong to this church here, being salt and light also means that we are a community committed to emotional health. And I know with some of you who are new here saying, that doesn't start with M, work with me here. And what does this value mean? It means that we are called to be a people marked by interior examination. There's one thing that's true about the spiritual life, and it is this. It is very easy to use God to run from ourselves. That in the name of good spirituality, in the name of praise and worship, in the name of, of all kinds of religious terminologies, we can avoid ourselves. And what we want to be is a people who allow Jesus to transform us deep beneath the surface of our lives. This is why the logo for our church is an iceberg. Because an iceberg is about 90% not visible to the eye beneath the surface. Only 10% of the iceberg, give or take, is above the surface. And what we want to be is a community that opens ourselves up to Jesus for transformation in every aspect of our lives. That Jesus is not just about our surface behavior modification. Jesus doesn't just want us to go through the rhythm, rhythms of maybe thinking differently or behaving differently here or there. He wants to transform us deep beneath the surface of our lives. And my hope is that we would be a community that, that, that opens ourselves up to those areas where we're feeling shame. Areas where we have not integrated our anger and our grief into our formation. That God wants to transform us deep beneath the surface of, the of our lives, not so that we would have just greater self-awareness, 
but that our life will be marked by integrity, that what you see on the outside is consistent with what's happening on the inside, that our lives will be marked by love, that we will be a people marked by interior examination. Thirdly, what does it mean to be salt and light? On this Vision Sunday, we are reminded that to be salt and light means that we are called to be a multiracial people. And that is a people marked by reconciliation. A people marked by reconciliation. New life is a remarkable place. 50% of Queens is foreign born. Within this neighborhood of Elmhurst Corona, just at Elmhurst Hospital and around, 123 languages are spoken. Over 75 nations are represented in our congregation. And you know what this makes for? That makes for something beautiful. That makes for something that we are to treasure and cherish. This makes for something, when you look around the room, this is, this is remarkable what God has done over 36 years, gathering people in this way together. And at the same time, what we must be mindful of is that just because we are diverse doesn't mean we're a new family. The gospel is the good news that the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus Christ and that in his life, death, resurrection, and enthronement, the powers of sin and death no longer have the last word. And the primary fruit of the gospel, you could argue, is that a new family has been created in the name of Jesus. A new humanity is possible. A new community is possible. That people who would typically not intersect their lives with one another, something has happened in Jesus Christ to create a new family. And this is what we know to be true. We can be diverse, but not be a family. There are plenty of places that are diverse. The New York Jet Stadium, pray for them tomorrow, that's diverse. <laughs> Queen Center Mall, that's diverse. The subway cars, that's diverse. But it's not a new family. And what Jesus is calling us into is to be a new family, to show the world what could happen when Jesus gets a hold of a people. And so this means that we celebrate our diversity. It means that we work against the manifestations of racism, whether it shows up in our individual lives or whether it shows up collectively and in our institutions, that we demonstrate that something has happened in Jesus Christ, that a new possibility, a new humanity is possible. And so my invitation to you on this Vision Sunday is not to just settle for being in the crowd, to intersect your life to others so that we can demonstrate in big ways and in small ways that Jesus Christ is at work in the life of our church. The world is so siloed and increasingly so. And when we go to heaven, listen, there are no silos in heaven. The Puerto Ricans aren't going to be over here and the Koreans over there. No, no, no. We're all going to be at the throne of God before Jesus, worshiping together, not with our compartments and our departments and, and our particular areas. And what we get to do as a congregation today is to anticipate what the world is going to look like when Jesus Christ fully and finally reigns. How exciting is that? To show the world what is possible when Jesus gets a hold of a people. We are called to be a people marked by reconciliation. Fourthly, we are called to be a people marked by marriage to Christ. And that's our language to talk about sexual wholeness. 
Earlier this year, we did a 10-week sermon series on sexual wholeness and sexuality. And there are many ways that we can talk about this. One of the ways we talk about this is that our spirituality is to be connected, not separated from our sexuality. That is, it's easy to live in a world where whatever we do with our bodies and whatever we do with other people, that it's irrelevant, that it really doesn't matter to the spiritual life. And yet, as the people of God, what we are to be reminded of is that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, that our lives are to be different in many different ways. And so we talk at New Life Fellowship about this in plain speech and in plain language to disciple ourselves and to allow ourselves to be discipled in Jesus' name as it relates to our bodies and our relationships. To talk about marriage to Christ also speaks to our married lives together. That our married lives are to give expression to our marriage to Christ. And it is really troubling that within the church, you see very similar trends and trajectories about the state of marriages than you do outside of the church. But what would it be said about our community that marriages are thriving, that healing is happening? that we are changing generational scripts and generational patterns, that the Holy Spirit is at work in our families and in our marriages to demonstrate there is a God at work right here, right now. And that's what God wants for us in this community, which is why we talk about what it means to live in this way with one another. But it's the same for singles as well. That there's no two states where we got marriage up here and singleness down here or vice versa. That if you're single, God has called you in that state. It's a sacred state. It's not a stigma. Jesus was single. Paul, the apostle, was single. And there's a holiness to that state. And whether you choose to stay single for the rest of your life or choose to get married, right where you're at right now, you're in a holy place. You're in a sacred place. And we are called to orient our lives and our bodies and our relationships in a way that submits ourselves to the kingdom of God. Lastly, to be salt and light means that we're called to be missional. Missional. And by missional, I mean that we are a people marked by lovingly engaging the world. This is where we learn from our Lord Jesus once again. Because when you look at Jesus in the Gospels, everywhere Jesus went, he lived like he was sent. Everywhere Jesus went, he lived like he was sent. He knew that the Father sent him into whatever place he was going and that the Father was waiting to do something through him in that space. And I want to tell you right now, I believe that if you're here, God has sent you. I believe if you call New Life Fellowship home, this is not by accident. In the very providence of God, in this season, God has sent you. God has sent you here so that you may be sent out into the world. That whatever job you find yourself in, you're not just at your job to get a paycheck. You're at your job because Jesus has sent you there to be salt and to be light. You're not just at your school to get to the next grade and get academic success. You are at your school, at your high school, at your middle school, at college and beyond. Why? Because Jesus has sent you there to be his presence, to be salt and to be light. That if you find yourself in a neighborhood or moving into another neighborhood, you're not there just because the rent is better. You're there because of that, but you're also there. 
Because Jesus has sent you there. You exist at this moment in history with all the problems and all the challenges because God has put you here in this moment of history. God has anointed your life. God has called you. God is sending you. You are salt. You are light. And we are called as a congregation to be on mission in the name of Jesus. And so whether we're talking about mission here in Elmhurst Corona or mission in West Hempstead and Nassau County or mission in our workplaces or mission in our neighborhoods, we are sent in the name of Jesus, amen, to be salt, amen, and to be light. And that's what God has called us into. Jesus looks at you today and calls you salt and light. And you might look at yourself and say, Pastor Rich, if you only knew about my life, if you knew about my struggles, my inconsistency, my trouble with the Bible, my trouble with knowing what to do at church, you would say, that's for the seasoned Christians, for the people who've been around for a long time. But no, no. Whether you're just following Jesus or whether you've been here for many, many years, God looks at you and says, there's so much in you. You have so much to offer the world around you. You're gifted. You're anointed. My presence is with you. I've anointed you for this particular moment in history. I've sent you to that workplace. I've sent you to your school. I've sent you to that neighborhood. I've sent you to this church. You have something to offer. And what are we called to offer ourselves ultimately? What are we supposed to do with this salt and light? What are we supposed to do with these five values? One thing in particular. What's the reason for it? It's to glorify the Father. In verse 16, Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Why are we here as a congregation for 36 years? Ultimately, is to bring glory to God, to bring glory to Jesus Christ, to bear witness to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is what God invites us to do. Let's sing together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for calling us, for being with us, for anointing us, for calling out of us all that's in us. You see so much in us that we don't see in ourselves. You see so much in us that others don't see in ourselves. And Lord, today, may we get a good perspective on how you look at every single person worshiping here, worshiping in Long Island, watching this podcast later on, you are with us. And so, Lord, for all these things, we want to give you glory. We want those to see our lives as individuals and as a community together and glorify your name and come to the saving knowledge of your love because you are worthy of all our praise. And so, Lord, we sing to you now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <laughs>